One of the most, as we've discussed many times before, one of the most basic questions any person that's involved in um, a Torah life can ask himself is, well, where does where does the the spiritual component of life play a practical role in my day-to-day activities? So apart from the stuff that I have to do in terms of there's a myriad of mitzvahs that I'm um, engaged to 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 live within, but what about the unknown variables of the seemingly tempestuous world that surrounds me? How do I respond to what others would call the wheel of fortune turning? And this, I suppose, brings to the fore this trait which we call in Hebrew bitochen, or trust, or assurance, or security, or that sense of, I'm okay because there's a higher power, there's a boy olam that's protecting me. And the Chazanish presents two perspectives of what this <coughs> trait could be described as. And he starts off by saying, don't say it's this, this is a mistake. The mistake is, he even calls it Taos Noshenes, an old hackneyed um, error that people have and that is that whenever any situation that comes upon a person and lies faced with an uncertain future and there are two ways in which he could go one good and one bad to work out for the good and if he goes and he and he and he hopes for the opposite of the that way, so that's a lack of bitochen. And therefore, the chazanish says bitochen is not the trust in that things will work out the way that I intend them to work out the way I want them to work out the way that I understand is my, for my own good. Things will turn out the way they are meant to be, meant to be. But they are meant to be that way. They're not random. They're under the jurisdiction of the Baruch I mean, he's making them happen, and that's what bitochen is all about. Intuitively, I never responded well to this, and I was open and honest with the likes of you fellows, and I said, that's not how I feel bitochen. I feel bitochen is that I have a sense of comfort that the burial will make it work out for me. It's going to work out. So I was reassured when I looked at the Maral. And we're going to learn up the Maral in the Siva Bitochen, which is in the safe called Nesiva Soilom, and there the Maral starts off by quoting a Pasuk in Mishnah, expands upon it, and then goes into a series of Gemaras to explore this idea even further. And he begins by quoting a Pasuk in Mishnah, which is, Betach el Hashem, Bechol You should rely on Hashem with all your heart. And do not rely on your own understanding. So he explains as follows, and I will read inside the Maral so that I will try to stay as faithful to the text as possible in order that I don't project my own agendas because I do feel that the Maral is ratifying an element of my experience of life. Says the the great King Solomon. A person should give absolute trust to Hashem. And I see these words which already start to create some kind of excitement from within for what he needs. 
In other words, now we're projecting forward and I need something. Now, should I trust that I should get the thing I need? Which is a little bit like what the Chazanish says, that you have two ways ahead of you and you'd like this to occur, not that to occur, and you want this to occur. Something that you want, something that perhaps you need. Vali Shan, so it says, you should trust Hashem for what you need. You should rely on Hashem to give you what you need. And don't rely on your own understanding. Say, That through your own endeavors, through your own workings of the system, you'll get it. Rather rely on Hashem. So Hashem will get it for you. I... He asks an invisible kasha. Are you suggesting that we can just rely on Hashem and we don't have to do anything to get what we need? No, no. You have to weigh up your deeds. You have to think carefully. You have to act within the realms of rational behavior. And don't just rely on the nais and go into something and think, well, things are going to miraculously occur. There has to be a mahalach. There has to be seichel. I have to think about it. Don't rely on that as being the ultimate arbiter of whether you'll get what you need to get. It will be through your own endeavors, wisdom and understanding, through your own planning, foresight and strategizing that it will come about. Nice as the words. Rak, Rak, Yiftach Bashem. Trust Hashem. Shehu yoitzi machshavtoi that He will bring to light your plan, your plan that you want. He'll make happen. Hashechofetz laasoyis that you want to do. Elapel. Hashem will bring what you want to happen into reality. What bitochen mean? Bitochen means that you want something, and you do what you need to do for that get that thing. But Hashem, Hashem will make it happen. So, for example, you want panasa. You want to get a job that's going to give you that paranosa. So Vada, to like turn up at the interview, not even prepared, not knowing anything about the company, that's so himalanes, and you can't do that. So you do your research. But you realize the following thing, that if this is a job, this is a job I want, Hashem's going to give it to me. This is a job I want, Hashem's going to give me that job. Not, this is a job. And if Hashem decides it's the one I need, he'll give it to me. But this is a job that's going to be great for me, and I'm sure Hashem's going to let me have it. Not, this is a job that may be good or may be bad. I don't know. What's Binech? But if Hashem decides it's for my good, he'll give it to me. Otherwise, he won't give it to me. Let's go with this. Let's go with this. Let's go with this. And I hope I'm illustrating this correctly. Let's keep on going. V'omar betach el Hashem. So now the Maral goes to Medaik in the Loshan of the, of the Pasuk in Mishle. And it says, trust upon Hashem. Does it trust in Hashem? It's talking about when you're in the process of the act. At that point in time, you should be totally confident that Hashem is with you. And this mode of behavior is like a prayer, if we can just get your attention for one more moment, I'm so sorry. It's like a prayer, a prayer to Hashem. In other words, you have a very defi- definitive request. I want this. So like iffy, that maybe this would be nice. Maybe this would be nice. But rather very directly, this is what I like. And like you daven for something, you daven for a person to be better, you daven to get whatever you need to get. 
ואילו בתחובוי נאמר על שיוסים האדם ביטחונו בוי יסבוך ואינו מדבר על שעזמאי זה באיבו אודו סייד You should trust in Hashem, not you should trust on Hashem. So that would imply that in general you should have an approach that you realize Hashem is in control. Val Hashem. Ritzoyinu loyim ha'ki b'sha'as ma'asi yasem b'tchoyinu ma'achshav to'el Hashem izboruch she'azroi b'chol ha'shir tzorech l'shtada that you rather trust Hashem is going to get you through it. Hashem is going to get you through it. So say if a person in a really tough situation, a tough situation is suffering from, I don't know, pain, from emotional pain, from physical pain, from poverty. He says Hashem, I know you're going to get me through this. I rely on you 100%. This is going to turn out well. As opposed to, I don't know how this is going to turn out. It may turn out well. It may turn out well. Whatever happens is good. No. Shem, you're going to get me out of this. You're going to rescue me from this situation. I know you're going to get me out. Because when you trust in Hashem and you do not rely on your own strategies, understanding, technique, then Hashem will fulfill your request. In other words, bitochen is a way of getting what you need. And I bring the pasuk, another pasuk, from Mishle from Shema Melech, and it says like this: Chirdas Adam Yitain Moikesh. When you scared, that will create the trap. You will be elevated above the pitfalls. When a person is trembling, when you're scared, will show you don't trust in Hashem. That itself, your fear will actually increase the possibilities of your falling. Because it's the opposite of what it says that when you trust in Hashem, you'll be elevated, you'll be lifted upon high. You'll be strengthened by the bitach and you put in for in Hashem. But when you're scared, it shows you don't bitachin. And that becomes a trap. Okay, now this seems to be the exact opposite of what the. This seems to be the exact opposite of what the Chazanesh was saying. And this is kind of a whole brand new Mahalach. And this seems to be, not only do you need a bitochen in what you want, but that's like, that's, that's like, that if you don't, and you have fear about the possible negative consequence, that actually inhibits the, the bitochen. It's a lack of bitochen. I mean, bitochen means you know it's going to work out the way you want it. You know, ki'ilu, this is the side that seems to be that the chazanish is coming to exclude. The sense of need that Hashem will fulfill the sense of like what I need, what I believe I need, and I have bitochen in the fact that, okay, this is, this is what I need, this is what I want, and this is what's ultimately good for me, but then what happens when it's, when it's, not. When it's not? Like, how do you know over what Hashem wants from you that that's actually the ultimate form of what you need and what you want and what you want to deserve? Great question. Great question. Let me ask a question back to that. Have you ever prayed in your life? Um, I'd like to believe so. What have you prayed for? Give me an example of something you prayed fervently for. Um, clarity. Understanding. The sense of... <laughs> Moving 
falling in the direction that someone I believe I need. Did you ever have someone that was sick that you prayed that yeah. she's recovered? Did you ever have a situation where you were financially strapped and you prayed that you should have money? Did you have a situation yes. where you felt you were in a real big predicament you want to get out of it? Yes. Why? When you're in that predicament, why didn't you just say, well, I'll say in this predicament if that's a will of Hashem. You said, please, get me out of this. Save me. Why? Maybe it's for your own good. There's a long pause while he waits to answer. And um, we think, what could this be? What could this be? Are there any other thoughts and comments? Hashem is going to change the entire Teva of the Olam because of what you want. Hashem is going to change the entire tip of the Olam because of what you want. Wow. That's a great question. We're going to, we need to explore that question. I think that question. Hashem is going to change the Teva of the Olam because of what you want. Okay, well, no, 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 let's not, let's not be, let's, let's quickly and carefully make sure that we, we get this right because this, this is a beautiful point that Yoni is raising. Because, and I think it like brings to, to the idea of like, well, what is this thing called Teva? And I think this could be another one of these fundamental points of Bitochen, like, where does Teva, Teva is this thing called Teva, what is this thing called Teva? Um, is there such a thing? So remember, we have recount, recounted many times what was the point of Yitzhiya's Mitzrayim? And the Ramban at the end of Parashat's boy makes it clearly explicit what the point of Yitzhiya's Mitzrayim was. Normally people may mistakenly think that this is what happened. There was these Jews and they were imprisoned as slaves in Egypt and then through a miraculous 10-stage um, set of events, the creator of the world demonstrated his absolute dominion over every last molecule on the planet. And then it's amazing what the Baralim can do and the Jews are freed from Egypt and therefore because there's such a powerful display of the might of our Kodesh Baruch we recollect and we remember that that, that that event we are obligated to do so twice a day twice a day we remember your Testament rhyme at least but then we remember when we put an out fill in but then we remember it for an entire week over Pesach where there's such a hype we prepare a house that we can't even have any chomets around, not even an edible crumb. And it becomes like super, like super, and we eat matzahs. And then sukkahs, which is Zechid Sesim Sram, and Shabbos, which is Zechid Sesim Sram, and Shavuos, which is a hemshech of Pesach, and Zechid I mean, what's going on here? Zechid Sesim Sram, what are we remembering? What do we want to bring to our consciousness? Because that's what the word Zikaran means in Hebrew. It doesn't mean remember, because none of us were ever there. You can't remember, you can't recall an event that you never experienced. It means bring to your consciousness. So why do we have to bring this concept to our consciousness? So those they say, well, because you saw how strong and powerful Hashem was. Look what he did. He split the sea. He changed b- b- water to blood. He made lights from the earth, from the ground. He brought the locusts and the darkness. And now, whoa, Hashem's power, 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 power. <laughs> ah. Says Ramban, that's no, 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 that's actually not the point because that would be lovely, that would be so nice to reminisce about the good old days with nostalgia and say, Do you remember when like Bono Shil Olam came out from behind the curtains and really showed who he is? Well, gosh, those were fantastic days. 
Mm. What a what an absolute splendid show of power it was like. Mm. You know, like when the military goes there and they do the, like their the acrobatics with the with the with the with the fighter pilots doing their stuff. And you know, back in the old days when military might was still the praiseworthy virtue, and that that go in Soviet countries and the tanks would like parade through Red Square. Back in the day, soldiers brandishing their arms. We are powerful. We are mighty. Doshvedanya, etc. Um, it's like the South African Army at the Rand show. South African Army at the Rand show for another reference. <laughs> slightly, uh, slightly modified version. So, is that what the boy Olin was trying to do in Yitzhak's Mitzrayim? And therefore, we have to like, kind of come back and like ponder on that every day and think, whoa, whoa, I wish we were back in the old, good old, good old days. But the Ramban says, absolutely not. The Ramban says, Yitzhak's Mitzrayim wasn't for then. Yitzhak's Mitzrayim is for now. What do you mean it's for now? What's for now? It's happened. Chungagangan, 3,000 years ago. Come on, it's for now. Yes, it's for now. Because the way that Hashem manipulated the created world demonstrated one thing categorically. Don't think that there's this world called Teva. There's this world, this thing called nature. And the thing called nature is on an automatic running system. And that running system is very difficult to interfere with. But as strong as nature is, there's something even stronger. God. Hashem. The Almighty. The Almighty. Hmm. Fancy that. Fits with his name. And the omnipotent, omniscient, powerful, mighty, Gibbo God of Noah God can smash even nature. There are those that think they way, but in that version, a person has stumbled, perhaps inadvertently, onto the idea of another existence outside of God. And in that version, it's nature versus God. And in that boxing match, yes, God takes away the heavyweight, heavyweight title. But what's this other thing, nature? Who's controlling that? Who's controlling that? Jonathan. In other words, suddenly a person falls into the world of something which is completely foreign to Jewish belief, which proclaims, as we do every day, Hashem Lekin Hashem Echad, there's only one. There's only one. There's only one. There's only one in nature. There's only one in supernature. And therefore, if you say that the, this was a match of might, of who's bigger and better was it nature or God, and God came out with winning colors, well, then who's, who is pushing the control buttons of nature, may I ask you? Something else? Wow, that's its own independent system? That's not under the jurisdiction of the Boyre Kololamis? So the Ramban says, this is how it works, mate. It ain't no competition. Rather, it's a demonstration. And when you see that God can turn water to blood, it's not that you see, even though water's so strong, God's stronger, but you see that there is no water. There's only one thing. The will of the Boyolamis. And sometimes he says, water, flow, transparent, translucent. And sometimes he says, congeal to blood. Sometimes he says, flow like a river. And sometimes he says, stand up like a wall. Sometimes he says, light, shine bright. And sometimes he say, palpable darkness. 
And there's no such thing as a molecule that can resist this because underneath the molecule, the driving energy is the unbreakable will of Hashem. And there is no such thing as nature and supernature. There's only one thing, one thing, one thing, one thing alone in this gigantic universe that we inhabit. The unbending, unwavering, eternal will of Hashem. And that manifests in nature as powerfully as in supernature. <coughs> teva is the ma'alim in teva, and the ma'alim in teva is teva. And just because Hashem decides that this is going to be more familiar and more expected and more um, regular, doesn't take it out of his control. And in fact now, it becomes that Teva is this mask that doesn't allow us to see with the same level of clarity the powerful will of Hashem. But the minute we take off the mask, so then we realize it's not the tree that's growing, it's a divine energy pumping, pumping, pumping light into the trunk, allowing the sap to rise up and the leaves to absorb the sunlight of the, sh- sunlight of the sun that's creating this process. And it's been orchestrated with divine engineering and superb, superb precision. Because not only does Hashem inhabit the inner world of nature, but He also defines the intricate rules and laws. And that's why actually, when we look at nature, we look at it as another expression of the divine will. And hence, we obey it like we do the Shulchan Aruch. And when the Boyer Olam decrees that the sun is a power to burn our skin, so we have a mitzvah to put on suntan lotion. And when the Borel Olam decrees that the human body has so much liquid in it and it needs to be replenished, we have a chiv not to dehydrate and to drink water enough, pastas, two liters a day in a warm climate to keep ourselves hydrated. And when the Borel decrees, it's because he's decreeing. And because he's decreeing it, it means that sometimes he says, even though I said, Today will work like this. If there's a good reason for it not to, I'm open to discussion. And that's what creates the place for tefillah to exist. If nature would be nature and the person would be sick, so then, well, the sickness will kill him. But if the sickness is Hashem saying, I'm manifesting my will like this because I want you to have the power to choose. And then you say, Tati, I see that. But, but please, I love you. You love me? Change it to be this. Change it to be this. We know there's no such thing as sickness and health. We know it's only you, it's only you. And we know that the sickness is designed to hide you. But this time, this time, shift it, alter it, because I love my friend who's not well. And in that intimate connection called Bitochen, Hashem says, okay, I'm with you. Food for thought. I've always struggled with the idea that one has to pray for their friend to be healed, Mm. implying that otherwise Hashem will just let that person die. Yeah. In other words, and, and, you know, and you're saying there's nothing but Hashem. I mean, if there's nature, so then it's not Hashem letting him die, it's nature, but then the duality and there's two forces in creation, you don't want to say that. So Hashem's letting him die. So now, into, and this is just like a, a, a glimpse because I don't know if we'll have time to fully expand upon this. So, so there's this thing called nature, which is the will of Hashem. And there's this thing called filler, 
which is also the will of Hashem. So, so which plays which role when? And there's this thing called supernature, which is miraculous. And there's this thing called the norm and the miracle. So why is there, what are these two systems? So these two systems are called Midas Hadin and Midas Arachnin. Midas Hadin means the predictable cause and effect based on the nature of the situation. Like judgment. You go to court and the, the person um, parked in the wrong place and gets a traffic ticket. And he goes to the court and he says, I don't even pay the ticket. And the judge says, well, you parked in, in the wrong parking lot. You parked in a handicapped parking lot. So there's a fine for that. So he says, but I have no money. The judge says, I'm really sorry. But that doesn't help because there's a cause and effect. You did this, which causes a penalty. There's no getting out of it. That's called judgment. So judgment and nature are aligned in as much is that just as in judgment, when you do this, that happens. So too in nature, when you do this, that happens. You plant the seed, the flower grows. You don't plant the seed, the flower doesn't grow. You water the seed, the flower grows. You don't water the seed, the flower doesn't grow. There's cause and effect, cause and effect, cause and effect. The cause and effect, which is predictable and unbending and expected and hence patterned, it's called Midas Aden. Because this, that will happen. And then there's a magical thing called Midas Arachmin. Because in Midas Aden, there's no relationship. There's greatness. There's alignment with the system. There's me filling within and connecting to a system where I can work, walk in the rhythm of that system. But there's no intimacy. There's no closeness. But then there's this thing called love. And love breaks the rules. Love breaks all the rules. True story. True story. A man shares this at a seum in Monsi about three months ago. And he's there having a seum and they're drinking a bit of schnapps and their tongues are getting a little bit looser. And he says, you know, Raboisa, I have to tell you. I don't know he's going to enjoy me. In fact, in my youth, I had an unbelievable power, desire to become rich. And that desire was so strong that it made me cut a few corners. I got involved in doing a dodgy business, which involved quite a lot of fraudulent, fraudulent activity. And I was making, I was minting it. I was minting it. And the tax authorities got wind of it. They framed me, they caught me, they indicted me, and I'm sitting in court. Before, sorry, before I'm sitting in court, um, I hear the charges and I call up a lawyer. The lawyer charges $100,000 to represent me, and that was 30 years ago, which is an absolute huge, huge, huge amount. And he says, once he hears the prosecutor's claims, he says, they are to get you. There's actually no way you can get out of this. This is like 25 years in jail. And he doesn't know what to do. He goes to a um, coffee shop in New York, in Manhattan, and he literally puts his head on the table. His coffee stands next to him as he sobs. Alter Yid walks into the coffee shop. He says, Breed. So he sees a Yid. He says, Yid. He says, what's up? Says, what's going on? So he says, I've got so much stories. He says, Believe me, he says, I, I know what Soros is. He's the Holocaust survivor. I know what Soros are. So he, but he says, tell me, tell me what you're going through. So he tells him the story about what happened to him. 
And the seed says, you don't need a lawyer. You need a rabbi. <laughs> he takes him to the school and the rabbi, big tzaddik. School and the rabbi says to him, don't worry. You're fine. Your lawyer's not even going to turn up and you'll be okay. The yid, not quite sure what to do. But you know, in this situation, he says, maybe the rabbi's right. Day of the court case arrives, calls up his lawyer, the lawyer says, I'm sorry, I got stuck in traffic. There's no one going to make it. I'm going to send one of my associates. The court case is, court case is delayed, the venture's associate turns in. He literally looks like he stepped out of law school yesterday <laughs> with his like, brand Natasha case. He gets there and he thinks, oh my gosh, this is who's going to defend me. It's over. The lawyer opens up his attache case, takes out sheets of paper, and he starts to dash in front of the judge. Oh no, dash and then dash and then dash and and he says a swara and a swara nach and he's saying over to the judges geschmackersachen, and the judge is sitting there, and the judge is looking, and the judge is loving it. The judge is loving it. Everyone else is lost. Five minutes into this Joshua, everyone is lost. The judge is mum is sitting here lapping it up. After forty-five minutes of the case. The judge looks at the lawyer goes, hmm. he says, your client, your client is acquitted. Boom, it's all over. They don't even hear the prosecutor's claims. The guy's amazed. He goes over to the lawyer, he says, Ice. He says, that was, that was amazing. What, what do you say? Like, he says, how long have you been doing this? He says, this is my first case. That's crazy. This is my first case. He says, how did you do that? And with a twinkle in his eye, he said, I don't know if I should say this, but the judge is my grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. True story. <laughs> when the judge is your grandfather, you get a little bit more leeway. That's called Minister Rahimim. It breaks the laws. Love breaks the laws. Love breaks the laws. Yes, there's a Minister Din. But then you go, Tati, 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 me, your son. Tati, I'm your son. There was a grandfather. I'm your child. Show me the love. <laughs> and when you ask for the love, then all the rules get broken. Unbelievable.